Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Very Cold Lasagna Podcast, your filthy casual place for all the filthy casual takes on the world of sports. I am Dylan Lasagna. Welcome to episode number 131 of this icy yet spicy podcast. And today, we got a good show for you all. After a week of relaxation, not hearing my voice, and it's time for me to recollect myself before another busy week. Uh, number of episodes that are about to come in for you it felt good it felt good to um catch my breath a bit after what was a long uh, a long couple of months for covering football yeah it, it really was um having to like you know not to say that i didn't want to like uh pick uh pick up uh pick up a collection of games review it and then talk about it with you guys. Sure, definitely. It was nice to talk talk about some NFL football for y'all. But that being said, having having done with the Super Bowl, having done the recap episode for it, after I was done with it, I was like, ah, I can breathe now. I can finally enjoy at least some of this early off season. The first week of the off season. It just felt like man. Football's over. It's like, well, now what? It's like, okay. I can relax a bit. <laughs> I can relax a little. Um, but then we obviously had one one thing to talk about um, this coming week, and that certain thing was a pay per view, a pay per view that happened this past Saturday, and that was the WWE Elimination Chamber pay per view. So yes, we do talk about wrestling here from time to time, ladies and gentlemen. And I guess with the onset of the NFL offseason. In full swing, I guess it's a good time to talk about some wrestling. Compared to last year, compared to where I was at in the state of pro wrestling, my state as a pro wrestling fan in 2022, I, I gotta admit, my my state as a pro wrestling fan in 2023 is actually has gone up. It has actually gone up so slightly. I'm actually intrigued where WWE is going. Uh, heading towards WrestleMania season. I, I This is like the most intrigue I have had as a wrestling fan since, I'd say, 2016. Yes, everyone's, everyone has said, oh, the dreaded 2016 year is a, was such a bad year for WWE. I mean, people are like, I mean, some people have their mixed opinions on 2016, but that's another story for another time. But here we are with this Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. This is a big... Um, a big last um, pre-WrestleMania pay-per-view before the actual thing down in Los Angeles. Uh, they were in Montreal, Quebec, Canada for this um, for this five-match show. Yes, it was only five matches, but each match kind of served the purpose. Um, they ser- it served the purpose. The two elimination chamber matches um, served even served a purpose, even if it had it. It was kind of like a McDonald's uh, playpen with the padding. Uh, more on when we talk about the Elimination Chamber matches itself. Um, the five tons of steel. And then you had uh, Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. Um, the, a mixed tag team match between Edge uh, and Beth Phoenix going up against the Judgment Day in Rhea Ripley and Finn Balor in a climax to their long, long feud. And then obviously you had the main event. The big main event that everyone was looking forward to since the Royal Rumble, when, as I talked about it on my Royal Rumble review, 
Sami Zayn um, betraying the bloodline, turning his back on the head of the table, the undisputed WWE champion, Roman Reigns. And kind of kind of kind of weird how <laughs> some people are saying like, oh, Roman Reigns should be the victim in this uh, situation, which is kind of true in some sense. Roman Reigns should be the victim in this scenario. Um, but you have to remember that Roman Reigns is is technically the villain. He's the ma- he's the mafioso um, in the in the WWE. He's he's the head guy, so he's kind of pulling all the strings here. And yeah, he definitely brought in Sami Zayn to be part of his family, and Sami did betray him. I don't know. It is kind of a convoluted thing, but it's so damn good that you can overlook that stuff. So. We were getting this big main event match between Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn in Sami Zayn's hometown crowd of Montreal. You kind of felt it was going to be so big, especially with that reaction that he got on SmackDown. Um, some people will say it was smarty. Others will say that's just his hometown, natural hometown crowd. It, it was going to feel like a big fight atmosphere. So big, much bigger than perhaps maybe... The Chicago crowd from 2011 Money in the Bank with CM Punk. Or even the ECW One Night Stand 2006 with RVD and John Cena. Who knows? Who knew what it was going to be like um, in in this kind of uh, environment in Montreal. So, yeah, that's definitely what we're going to talk about here in this episode of Very Cold Lasagna. Uh, very quick, uh, before we dive much deeper into this review of Elimination Chamber, obviously... Um, make sure you keep in touch, keep, uh, keep watching, keep listening to everything in relation to Very Cold Lasagna, uh, whether it's on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts. If you're listening to the audio side of things, make sure you leave a rating, whether it's one to five and review it as well. Your feedback always means the world to me, especially, uh, as well as on the YouTube side, leave a comment. Like the like the video episode. Share it with your friends. Share it with a stranger. Share it with your coworker. Share it with everybody. Your share your shares, your likes, your comments, anything that you do in relation to Very Cold Lasagna means the world to me. Follow the show on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Very Cold Lasagna. And we got a lot of upcoming content uh, coming soon to the to Very Cold Lasagna with the season recaps coming up. I have the the first batch of season recaps coming up with the worst of the worst coming soon next week on Very Cold Lasagna. So like we're pretty much following the same format as we did last year. Start from the bottom to the top, and now we're here. So that's how we're gonna do it as we begin season recap month at the end of February. So yeah, it's kind of a weird order, but you'll you'll know why. You'll know why. So look forward to that and. Yeah, it's going to be a big month for Very Cold Lasagna yet again as we get season recap month for Very Cold Lasagna in full swing pretty soon. So now on to this Elimination Chamber review. Obviously, like I said, it was it, it was only a five, it's only a five-match show. But again, every match felt like it served a purpose. Even if, you know, some of these matches uh like some of these matches felt like they had a lot of jobbers in it. Such is the case with the opening match of the card, the Elimination Chamber match, which consisted of the female side, every woman in this match 
was fighting for an opportunity to fight Bianca Belair at WrestleMania 39 in Los Angeles in whose house? Niner's house, not Ram's house, not even the Clippers house, Niner's house. So anyway, um, because Rhea Ripley, who won the Royal Rumble, chose Charlotte, Charlotte Flair, Charlotte Flair, <laughs> Charlotte Flair to, uh, for the SmackDown Women's Championship, Bianca Belair was left with no opponent. So they decided to have this Elimination Chamber match to determine Bianca Belair's uh, opponent for WrestleMania in Los Angeles. So you have Asuka, Liv Morgan, Nikki Cross, Raquel Rodriguez, um, who were the last four before uh, Rhea Ripley won the match at the Royal Rumble. They were the kind of final four-ish um, in that Royal Rumble, so they automatically qualified. And then in two qualifier matches, Natalia and Carmella uh, finished the rest of the field. Um, honestly, this match was pretty all right. I mean, it was okay. Honestly, one of the more cleaner matches um, that I seen the woman woman had. And yeah, there were certainly some botches here and there. And they had the typical, let's get together so someone can dive onto everybody's spot. That spot being Nikki Cross when she came into the Elimination Chamber. She was going batshit crazy. And then she went on top of the pod and dove onto Raquel, Liv Morgan, and I think it was Raquel Rodriguez. So I don't like those kind of spots, man, where it makes it so obvious that you know something big is going to happen. It's like, no, like make it, make it feel special. Make it feel unpredictable. If you want to do those spots... Like, like the let's get together, let's get together in a circle jerk, and then do the dive. Like, at least make it, like, believable. Don't make it so predictable. So anyway, um, Carmella, um, what first got, when she got first got into the match, you know, she was trying to uh, pussy her way out. I mean, you know, not that kind of way, you know. <laughs> uh, she, she was trying to weasel her way um out of the match, she, you know, she frequently tried to hide in her pod um, because, you know, she's like being a scaredy cat. She was hiding from Nikki Cross. She was um, hiding from Raquel. But uh, Raquel would uh, bulldoze Nikki Cross into her pod and then Nikki Cross would get eliminated because of that. Um, and then you have Liv Morgan, who is crazy as all hell um, with these taking all these extreme bumps. And my God, Liv Morgan shit for reasons <laughs> uh she hit this crazy sunset flip powerbomb off the top of the chamber pod and um oscar entered the match last um and stopped carmella from hiding any longer so that she, she was pretty much in there for the rest of the match um Liv morgan then got eliminated next um after she passed out with uh natalia and oscar hitting their uh or locking in their submission finishers on her um, really unfortunate. She didn't even make it to the final three, at least. And then after Liv Morgan got eliminated, um, eliminations came in rapid fire. You know, Carmella and Natalia. Um, um, they would get into it. Carmella eliminated Natalia with a super kick. And then Mela and Asuka eliminated Raquel Rodriguez. They worked together. And then the final two came down to Asuka and Carmella. And from there, it pretty much became kind of a known that Asuka was going to win the match with the Oscar lock and there you go. You're getting your uh, raw women's title match at WrestleMania 
between Bianca Belair and the new, kind of newish Asuka. So, again, a decent match um, to start the show. Um, now, it's going to be on WWE. Can they capitalize on this like new version of Asuka? This new, kind of insane-ish version of Asuka back to her like, Jap- Japan days where she was um, Kana. So, yeah, it's going to be on WWE. Can they actually capitalize that? Can they follow that up with them actually having Asuka beat Bianca Belair at Mania, whatever night it is? Because, to be honest with you, as mainstream, as marketable as Bianca Belair can be, um, depending on what definition you think it is, Bianca Belair's title run since, what was it? Uh, SummerSlam or uh, WrestleMania last year, it's been very stale. Like, nothing nothing special has happened. And every time she comes out, it's the same, it's the same stick. It's the same act. It's not to be, you know, <laughs> you, it's, you whip your hair back and forth and it's like, oh, you want to challenge the EST? You want to fight, pal? It's like one of those indie generic promos from Bianca Belair. So, hopefully, this version of Asuka and whatever Doty Creative can do with, with her can get can give a, a run for Bianca's money at WrestleMania. So, one last note about this uh, Elimination Chamber match. I really um, I do think that Liv Morgan is was the MVP, taking all those extreme bumps and shit. Um, and and I, I think it's just me. I think it's just me. She she still continues to improve. Um, she she still kind of botches a little though. Um, but she could still be one of the women's division standout wrestlers. She was a SmackDown Women's Champion. She was a Miss Money in the Bank. Um, she does take a lot of extreme bumps and all that. Um, but man, there's not really much of a path for her um, going into WrestleMania because you know. All the the title matches are set, and well, and depending on what happens with the women's tag team titles, um, with well, if you even want to go there, yeah, it's kind of unfortunate, you know, with how Liv Morgan is going. I mean, not to say uh, oh she deserves to be there. It's just like, eh, what can you really do with her now? But oh well, it is what it is. Um, you get your Raw Women's Title match at WrestleMania, Bianca Belair. Versus Asuka. So, there you go. I mean, decent opening contest. Now let's move on to uh, the, the rubber match. The three match between Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. So, this feud has actually been going on for about a year now. So, when Bobby Lashley was WWE champion, um, I think it was Brock Lesnar. No, no, it wasn't Brock No, Bobby Lashley won the first match when he was WWE champion at the Royal Rumble last year. And then... I think it was Brock Lesnar that beat him at um, Crown Jewel back in November. But it was Bobby Lashley that uh, made him uh, pass out after the match and beat him down. Now they came to this third and decisive match, especially after the Bobby Lashley eliminated him in this year's Royal Rumble. And Lesnar threw a temper tantrum and wanted, wanted another match with him. So I got to say... This match was stupid. 
this match was so stupid because all this was was a finisher spam fest. And then when Brock, uh, not Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley had the hurt lock, the master lock on Brock Lesnar. When Lesnar couldn't get out of it, Lesnar dick kicked him. Lesnar dick kicked Bobby Lashley and Lashley won by disqualification. Like, so why are we, why are we having having this match in the first place? So why was, why did this even happen? What was the point of this? Why didn't they save this to WrestleMania when you could have done a stipulation match like false count anywhere or hell in a cell? What was the point of this match happening now? Especially when you consider that, what was the point of Ray Wyatt challenging the winner? Like, how do you how do you even follow that up with Bray Wyatt challenging what's who, Bobby Lashley, who's technically won this match, even though it was disqualification? And I don't know how does either guy look good? How do how did how does WWE make either guy look good after this? Like Lashley looked like an idiot. Because he got dick kicked and his ass whooped again by Lesnar. Speaking of Brock Lesnar, sure, he put on a nutter typical beatdown, like a rage-filled beatdown on Bobby Lashley and an official, but he looked weak because he got disqualified um, by dick kicking Bobby Lashley. So, damn. I don't know, man. This this match was full, it was really stupid. And not only that, it's like, who was the face and heel? Who was the face and heel in this feud? And not just this feud, but in this matchup. Because I get it. Bobby Lashley clearly was the heel. Especially it was notable in that contract signing the Monday prior to this pay-per-view. But it was like, when you look at his entrance, when you watched his entrance on that on that Saturday, he was fist-bumping fans. He was, he was hyping them up. Like, he was doing a lot of babyface, like, heroic stuff in his entrance. It's like, aren't you supposed to be a heel here? Like, aren't, weren't, weren't you just playing a an arrogant heel that was hiding behind security um, from Brock Lesnar until you found your opportunity to attack him that, the Monday prior? Like, where's, what? What the hell happened here? So anyway, I don't know what 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 to make of this. This was this match was a whole mess. What what what, what is either guy gonna do at WrestleMania, especially Lesnar? Like, what is Brock Lesnar gonna do at WrestleMania? Like, is he gonna are they real are they gonna transition towards fighting uh, Lashley again um, to make up for it, or are they gonna do some kind of triple bet with Lashley, Lesnar, and Bray Wyatt? Or what do you even do with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? What do you even do? So anyway, you have the next matchup between Edge and Beth Phoenix versus the Judgment Days, Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. So this match has pretty much been a long time coming for um, the Grit couple, uh, as they were calling them. The Hall of Fame couple of Edge and Beth Phoenix. Because um, for some of you that don't know, um, Edge... Formed this group back at WrestleMania when he was feuding with uh, AJ Styles. Uh, first formed it with Damian Priest. And then uh, Rhea Ripley came along uh, at the next pay-per-view backlash. 
They formed the Judgment Day. It was all kind of a confusing mess of what exactly their message was. Um, it was basically like, oh, we're, we're, we hate the fans. Um, their Judgment Day is coming. It was a pretty stupid concept to begin with anyway. And then when it wasn't connecting, they brought in Finn Balor, and then they kicked out Edge. And then it was a, led to a lot of stupid shit um with the judgment day afterwards but i mean they brought in dominic eventually they brought in dominic mysterio and then i remember when when san jose really hated dominic uh, so much that they wanted him to go away but that's besides the point um the judgment day um and basically real ripley uh took out beth phoenix at extreme rules they with a concerto with edge having to watch saying i quit in that i quit match because you know, he didn't want Beth Phoenix to get hurt, but she got hurt anyway. And now, now this match came to a head um, between these four, um, these four people. So, yeah, I mean, I gotta say this match was pretty, was, 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 was good. Um, you know, you have Beth Phoenix and Rhea Ripley being even strength early with, you know, how, how strong they are. I mean, Rhea Ripley's not like, you know. Like Beth, in terms of, you know. Um, and then Dominic Mysterio, man. Montreal did not like uh, Dominic. He got them FU chants uh, frequently from them. So, yeah. not He wasn't the only hostile person. Um, he wasn't the only public enemy in Montreal that night. More on that in a bit. So, um, there were times where Balor would prevent um, Beth Phoenix from tagging in um, her husband. Uh, but eventually, Edge would get in the hot tag, um, and he and Beth Phoenix lock Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley into the educated, the educator, a modified sharpshooter. Um, but then Dominic Mysterio became a big factor um, into the match. Um, frequently, he had first tossed in brass knuckles. Um, Rhea Ripley would use it, um, and, and then Dominic tried to interfere again. But then Beth Phoenix powered bomb Dominic into the turnbuckle um, from the outside. To stop Finn Balor from hitting his finisher onto Edge. And then before I get to the climax of the match, uh, I do want to point out that Beth Phoenix, oh man, this, this has to feel I I do feel bad for her. Um she provided two botchamanian moments. So pretty she pretty much botched two things pretty badly. Um so there's a spot where Edge, like I said, um was pretty much knocked out from a uh, brass like he was hit by brass knuckles um, from Rhea Ripley from behind the referee, and then when Edge kicked out, Beth Phoenix was supposed to break up the pin, but it was she like dove in too late, like after right like way after the count. I was like, oh, oh man, it's like so it looked like she was drunk on that spot, and then. Beth Phoenix was trying to spear Rhea Ripley from the middle rope. You know how Big E Langston often did it when he was wrestling, like a couple years ago. He would spear people through the barricade, uh, not through the barricade, through the rope, the second rope. Uh, Beth Phoenix tried to spear Rhea Ripley through the second rope, but she was a tad bit slow, and she couldn't do it, and so she settled for like a drop kick or something. So that was a bummer. That was a real bummer. And then. The end of the match came when Ripley tried to hit a concerto, just like she did at Extreme Rules on Beth Phoenix on the steel steps, but Beth Phoenix dodged it, um, and then she hit 
Rhea Ripley with the glam slam um, on the outside. And then Edge knocked out Dominic. Um, and then went back in the ring, hit Balor with the spear. And then he and Beth Phoenix finished off Finn Balor with a uh, shattered machine. So pretty much uh, the Revival's uh, finisher to win the match. So, you know, for a mixed tag team match, um, this was pretty solid. This is uh, really good. Um, both teams uh, provide a lot of energy, had some good spots in it. Um, Dominic, you know, he did actually pretty pretty decent in his role as a heel. Um, trying to do so much to help Rhea Ripley and Balor take out um, the Hall of Fame couple for good, permanently, but he failed as the scrappy heel. Um, and now, after all the judgment lame had put through them, Edge and Beth Phoenix finally got one over them. But, you know, for a lot of people, it seemed like Edge and Finn Balor were destined for a pure one-on-one -on -one match, at least for the last time, like, in their feud at WrestleMania. But the way that Edge was talking about wanting to move on from the Judgment Day, um... And the way the match ended so cleanly, it seems like Edge and Beth Phoenix's story with the Judgment Day is over. I mean, it kind of makes sense in a way because, you know, Rhea Ripley um, is going to be moving on to Charlotte, Charlotte Flair to um, because, you know, she won the Royal Rumble. She chose Charlotte. Um, now they, they basically have to advance that feud. Um, and you don't really have much else to tell with Edge and Finn, Edge and Finn Balor in the Judgment Day anymore. It's like you pretty much exhausted all your fumes on that story. So what more do you need to do um, with, with the Judgment Day? The only thing is, it's like, what do you do with Edge now um, at WrestleMania? I mean, apparently he's facing Austin Theory on, on Raw for the U.S. title in like this open challenge. So, I mean, while it will do something for one, I'm not sure about the other. And that other is Edge. So we don't know what's in store for the rated R superstar, but who knows? There's still a lot of time until WrestleMania, so you know some be, be something for um, Edge at the show of shows. So solid match um, for uh, both mixed teams. So then we had the final elimination chamber match of the night um, for the United States Championship. Honestly. <laughs> Considering the field was full of jobbers, like there wasn't really much to care about um, in this particular match. You had the champion Austin Theory, Seth Rollins, Johnny Gargano, Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, and the Street Profits, Montez Ford. So, yeah, when you read those names, when you talk about those names, it's like, who? Especially as a casual fan, who? But then, if you're, if you're a hardcore fan, hailing in a casual fan, this is like, oh, you don't watch wrestling. Like, you don't watch wrestling. Like, how do you not know these people? Do your research. Google them, bitch. It, it, that's a, that, but that's the problem. If you're, like, if you're a casual fan trying to watch this shit, it's like, why, why are we supposed to be researching this shit? Like, during the show, why are, we, why are we supposed to, like, think that we have to know this? Right off the bat. So. Now it's the thing. With this Elimination Chamber match. It was like. 
these these guys were not really getting that much of a reaction other than Seth Rollins because obviously Seth Rollins is a no known name. Um but everyone else was just like, yeah, okay. Whatever. So uh Seth Rollins and Jardy Gargano started off this match and then the the order of entry was followed by Austin Theory, Damian Priest, Bronson Reed, and Montez Ford. <laughs> it's funny. In my notes, it says Montez Food. <laughs> that that could have been his name. That could have been his ring name, Montez Food. I wonder if Bianca was like, hey, your name, ring name should be Montez Food instead of Montez Ford. So your, 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 your last name is not going to be based on a car. It's going to be based on food. Yum. <laughs> so just like... Uh, just like Carmella did in the women's match, Austin Theory tried to lock himself into his pod um, from Johnny Gargano, but that was only on one side of the door, pal. Seth Rollins went onto the other side, which was unlocked, and both he and Johnny Gargano beat down on Austin Theory inside the pod. So that was a, a pretty solid moment for there. It was kind of it was kind of funny, and then later on in the match, uh, Bronson Reed hit a pretty. Pretty cool. I'll admit, this is a pretty cool spot. Um, hit a double-decker Samoan drop. Lifted both Rollins and Gargano pretty easily. Um, but, unfortunately, he kind of had a Bachamania moment, kind of. He tried to sandwich Damian Priest through a chamber pod, but the plexiglass, not, like, or, like, the, the, what, what do you call it? It's, like, the... I don't know. I don't know what they use for the elimination chamber now. It's it's like that fake glass. Um, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't break. So then you had Montez Ford entering last in a flurry. Um, he was pretty much mimicking a lot of past wrestlers, um, and especially The Rock. He tried to do a people's el elbow on Austin Theory, but then he got trucked by Bronson Reed. And then you had Austin Theory trying to mimic John Cena, perhaps. A sign of what's to come at WrestleMania? I don't know. Because he tried to do an attitude adjustment on Bronson Reed, who was like fucking 100 pounds heavier than him. So, like, why are we trying to do an AA on a guy you can't even lift? So, then, just like in the Elimination Chamber match for the women, obviously, the man had to do it, too. Because you had to have the let's get everybody together in a circle jerk and dive onto everyone spot. That's what Montez Ford did from the top of the Elimination Chamber. And then he pretty much, like, uh, what is it? Trust fell onto everybody uh, on the outside. So it's like, dude, why do, we, why do we need to have these, like, unnecessary and predictable spots? It's so unnecessary for a cheap pop, for a cheap reaction. So then after that, the Eliminations came in. Um, Bronson Reed got teamed up on, got gang-banged. Um, he was the first eliminated um, by Johnny Gargano, Seth Rollins, Montez Ford. And then you got Johnny Gargano, who got eliminated by Damian Priest. Seth Rollins and Montez Ford then eliminated Damian Priest. And then Montez Ford took a big bump by Seth Rollins, getting curb-stomped onto the chamber floor, which was padding. And Austin Theory stole his elimination. And then, because Montez Ford got hit with a curb stomp onto the floor on the outside, that left the elimination chamber door open. Like, the, the way to get in to the actual chamber. 
structure itself. It left it open. So Montez Ford had to be helped to the back. Um, and then while he was do while he had to get help, Rollins hit Austin Theory with a pedigree and then was closing in on reclaiming the US title. He's looking to hit a curb stop, but in came in Logan Paul. Yeah, Logan Paul. Who was it? Logan Paul does smack talking Seth Rollins, or was it Seth Rollins smack talking Logan Paul? Let me know um, which way or the other it is. By the way, Logan Paul came in, hit a buckshot lariat on um, Seth Rollins. Not as clean as the, the ones he previously did, but that's besides the case. And then he hit Rollins with his own curb stomp, and then he closed the chamber to see Austin Theory hit his finisher, a town down. To retain the U.S. title, so it, this match, I mean, I mean, it wasn't for me. Um, a lot of like spot spot orgies all around, and most of, like there was a lot of wrestlers I didn't really give a shit about. I mean, the only one that was right there I cared a little was Seth Rollins, but even then, he's like upper mid card material. Um, but I will say Montez Ford, he he did he he, he looked drugged out of his mind with all those um, high flying high flying moves, his high energy um, with the fans, with the crowd, and his athleticism, his 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 selling of big moves. It was it was really good. I, I'll admit that. Um, obviously, the biggest story of this match was not Austin Theory retain the title. But it was obviously Logan Paul uh, costing Seth Rollins the match. So this, that's, I can't think that's kind of the story of these two Elimination Chamber matches. These two matches pretty much setting up two guaranteed WrestleMania matches. We obviously have the Raw Women's title match being set in the Women's Elimination Chamber match. And now you have a Chamber match that set up a another what could be a quality WrestleMania match between Logan Paul and Seth Rollins. And it looks like Logan Paul is going to be the heel, the villain in in this matchup, which is a more natural role for uh, Logan Paul because he's hated so much for kind of, I don't know. It, I don't know if it's mixed reasons. Um, I don't know if he's more hated than his brother, Jake, but either way, being a heel, if, if, if it's Logan Paul is more natural, then when he had his baby face run like in the second half of 2022 because it kind of felt forced to be honest with you but uh for Seth Rollins for as annoying as he is I mean I think he's he can make for an interesting opponent for Logan Paul at Mania so yeah these chamber matches were eh it was eh especially it didn't help that um you know the chamber the chamber match itself you know, for as much as Italian, it's so dangerous. It's like saying structure. Dude, if you go back and watch the chamber matches before 2017, the, the elimination chamber was so like, yeah, it hurt like hell, but it looks so intimidating, um, especially with the the steel grate on the floor that hurt like hell. Um, yeah, it got people injured, um, but it, in the actual plexiglass, but in the actual steel chains, 
it looked very much more intimidating than what we have now with the elimination chamber. I, I, I wish that they they have the current elimination chamber, but you you have the steel chains, you have the actual plexiglass. I'm not the like like the I don't know, like the I don't know. I can't. I can't find the right term for it. The one they have now, the plexiglass they ha the they have now, where where it's just like wiggling, um, and then the the padding would be. You have to find an alternative to the steel grate that can not only be safe, but you know, make it intimidating for um, not just the fans, but for the wrestlers. Um, if you have to find that happy medium. You really have to find that happy medium. Padding is certainly not one, one of those happy mediums. Um, you have to find that middle ground. But, yeah. Those are my thoughts on the Elimination Chamber match. So, obviously, for a lot of people, uh, they came and watched this Elimination uh, Chamber pay-per-view, whether it was at home, on Peacock, or on the WWE Network elsewhere, or... If they were in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, for this one match, the main event, the undisputed WWE champion, Roman Reigns, going up against the hometown kid, Sami Zayn. A match built up for, I'd say, a long time. And I say long time because you have to remember, Sami Zayn was in the bloodline for about... Almost a year. Almost a year. Sami Zayn losing to Johnny Knoxville at WrestleMania. Hey, man. Uh, wanting to rebuild himself. Offered his services to the Bloodline. And then, even though the Bloodline rejected him, he still wanted to commit. He still wanted to commit to get better and reinvent himself and help the Bloodline in every way he can. He wanted to find that family. And the Bloodline took him in. And when, when he got accepted... And when Roman claimed that he got greedy and all that at War Games, and it was, it is kind of building up. It is it was really building up uh, for Sammy, especially at the Royal Rumble when the beatdown on his, uh, I guess you could say, frenemy, Kevin Owens, because of how much he's betrayed him, um, how much he's backstabbed him in the past. But you know he's had that soft spot for him um, as a friend. So, yeah, that frenemy in Kevin Owens. So, anyway, you, you couldn't help but think this was going to be a very big match. Match of the year? We don't know yet. We don't know yet because it's, all, it's still only February. But going in, the story was going to be so strong. Sami Zayn had a lot of doubts going into this match. Uh, he even expressed it to the Royal Rumble winner. Cody Rhodes, who was already guaranteed a match at WrestleMania. Sami Zayn? Didn't know. Didn't know. A lot of people were wanting Sami Zayn uh, to win, to upset Roman Reigns uh, for WWE, to do an audible, have Sami Zayn get the Undisputed Championship, um, and defend that shit at WrestleMania against Cody Rhodes. A lot of people wanted WWE to stay the course, have Roman retain, at, and go on to WrestleMania with the scheduled plan. Against Cody. WWE, when I when I looked at it, when I look at it, they were kind of in a tough, very tough position. Sure, Sami Zayn was in was was pretty much the hottest guy, one of the hottest guys. 
one of the most popular acts they have right now. But at the same time, they couldn't they couldn't afford to have Roman Reigns lose in the last pay-per-view. A B-level pay-per-view, mind you. But at the same time, felt like a WrestleMania-type pay-per-view. Before the actual WrestleMania pay-per-view itself. We have to keep this in mind. But, yes, at the same time, times three. You have to find a way to satisfy satisfy some portion of the fan base. Not everyone was going to be happy with the result. Um, whether it was going to be an the audible or the the state path. So, what was WWE going to do? Well, let's get through this match. So, Roman Reigns actually came out first. Uh, Roman Reigns actually came out first. Um, initially unfazed by the hostile environment. Um, felt like a Chicago... Uh, vibe, uh, you know, like Money in the Bank 2011 vibe. Not really much of the ECW 2006 One Night Stand vibe. Um, a lot of people were making that kind of comparison, but not really much that. Not really much so by that. And then, obviously, Sami Zayn came out, got the hometown ovation, and then the match didn't get started until like about five minutes in because <laughs> the the Sami Zayn. And Roman were letting the crowd, um, letting the crowd get their their fill in. Um, they were soaking. Both of them were soaking it in, soaking in the moment, um, because Sami Zayn knew he was gonna knew that he's gonna get Roman to kind of crack into um, the hostile environment, and eventually he did. Roman eventually did get agitated by the crowd, um, but more on that in a bit. So Sami Zayn. Was able to get some early offense in, um, but Roman Reigns took control of the match. Um, and while he was doing so, and when he finally got annoyed by the hostile environment, the hostile crowd, you know what? He got confident. He got he got in control. He began to talk shit at Sami Zayn's wife, Sami Zayn's family that was at ringside, and to the fans. All while dominating him. I absolutely loved it. When he was talking about shit about how this is his fault. I brought him in. I tried to I, I tried to I tried to provide for him. He and help you guys out. I should be the victim. Which again in some cases is it was true. It was true. Um in some some instances. And then Obvious, and then obviously, because Roman Reigns was booked to be overconfident and cocky and dominant as as this big boss heel, his overconfidence uh, got the best of him at times because Sami Zayn retook control of this match, hit his hit his best moves, but his best moves sometimes weren't enough. Reigns suddenly. Hit his own best moves, like a rock bottom and a Superman punch to regain control. And then when you think that we're going to get the, towards the end of the match with Reigns trying for a spear, Sami Zayn dodged it, hit an exploder suit pex into the turnbuckle. Then he went for his own Superman punch of his own and then hit uh, his finisher, the Luva kick, into a good two, one-two punch combo. But 
to get the crowd on his feet, it was just a near fall. The first of many near falls. <laughs> the very close near falls by the referee. Um, Roman Reigns missed a barricade spear. Um, and Sami Zayn rolled him back into the ring with a blue thunder bomb. Another uh, very last millisecond near fall. And then right after that, shenanigans. Shenanigans! I call shenanigans! As Kyle Brovlosky uh, would, would say, uh, Roman Reigns would knock out the referee. Um, and then Sami Zayn hit the haluva kick, but there was no referee. So you know what that means. Shenanigans! That allowed Jimmy Uso to come out, super kick the crap out of Sami Zayn, hit an Uso splash, and then despite all that, when the second referee came out, Sami Zayn kicked out. And then Roman Reigns would spear Sammy off of Jimmy Uso's distraction sacrifice, I guess. But it still wouldn't get it done. Sami Zayn was fighting. And, and then Sami Zayn would continue to survive and even slap Roman Reigns. And that pissed him off. He pissed him off enough that he would try to Superman punch him, but then... He dodged it and then knocked out the other official. So now you have no officials. That allowed Roman Reigns to ask his special counsel, Paul Heyman, oh my tribal chief, to get him a chair. And just like he did to Kevin Owens at the Royal Rumble, Roman Reigns was going to make Sami Zayn his bitch for life and put him into the ground for good in front of his wife, his family, and his hometown crowd. But then, we, there was the factor that we all forgot about. Well, at least some of us did. <laughs> Jay Uso. Jay Uso would stand in Roman's way, and just like he did with Sammy at the Rumble, he would test Jay's loyalty to the family, to the royal bloodline family. But a lot of hesitation from Jay, a lot of waiting on Jay. He wouldn't hit Sami Zayn, but then he wouldn't hit Roman Reigns in the back. And I gotta say, like, why does Roman Reigns keep turning his back, smack talking Sami Zayn? Like, have you not learned anything from turning your back with someone with a chair? Like, Seth Rollins first did it to you back in 2014. Sami Zayn just did it to you at the Royal Rumble. Have you not learned anything from this, Roman? Come on. So, anyway. Um, Roman Reigns like notices that Jay hasn't done anything yet, and then he begins to shit talk his his right hand man. He even pushes him. Um, he 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 pushes him with his with his hand, like grabs him, um, his face, and then starts talking shit. But then uh, he turns around and sees that same same coming in to spear to spear him. But then he at the very last moment. Gets out of the way and accidentally hits Jey Uso. Some friendly fire from Sami Zayn to Jey Uso. So some very interesting developments there. And then that allowed Roman Reigns to finish Sami Zayn off with a steel chair assault and a spear to retain the undisputed title and assure a one-on-one -on -one match against Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. And damn, the crowd was just like... Crickets. Crickets. They they were in disbelief. 
they didn't they they were stunned but then again they 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 were kind of accepting it like if if this was kind of a if this kind of you know that 2k new 2k showcase mode where like oh if john cena won then the crowd would have been really pissed but then this montreal crowd was just like well shit it felt like they knew this outcome was coming but they wanted to provide as much like support to Sami Zayn. They want to rally around their hometown kid. And if he somehow did um, pull off the upset, they would have gone batshit crazy. Um, and it would have been a porty in Montreal. But things were not done yet. You know, there was a post-match beatdown from Jimmy Uso, but then Kevin Owens came out. Um, he returned from his Royal Rumble beating to save Sami Zayn. And then he attacked Roman, Jimmy, and then even Paul Heyman came in, tried to beat up on Kevin Owens. And then the show closed out. Sami Zayn gave one last halua kick to Roman Reigns. And they, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, you know, they looked at each other. Um, but they didn't, like, hug it out or anything because, obviously, they have a lot of issues um, with each other still. And then, yeah, it's... Sami Zayn had his standing ovation from his fans. So that pretty much closed out the show. So this match, I mean, for as overbooked as the end was, it was booked, it was booked pretty good. This was really, really good. It felt like a conference championship game between two heated rivals. And that the heel was soaking in the hate. Um, and then when the game got down to the wire... Um, yeah, there was kind of shenanigans at the end, but the best man, the best team would come out on top, find a way to win when it mattered most any way they could. Yeah. A little bit of shenanigans, but you get the point. Uh, WWE really did a great job in trying to convince a lot of people of Sami Zayn potentially pulling off an upset with numerous near falls even if it increased many people's heart rate. And I know a lot of people were like recently talking about some, a certain number of fans were talking about, Oh, how like Sami Zayn, like going on that rally, um, allow Roman allowing that much offense to, um, a indie worker like Sami Zayn made him look weak. Like in what way? I mean, like what, what did you want him to do? Like just, like, end the story, like, with Roman dominating Sami Zayn, like, like, dominating Sami Zayn, like, Brock Lesnar did to John Cena in 2014. It's like, that's not how the, the story of the bloodline was, would satisfy a lot of people. It's like, you want to have, like, sure, it's kind of, it's that underdog mentality of Sami Zayn. And, you have to look at Roman's character too. He's always a overconfident, cocky, a asshole, mob boss. Like you have to realize that. So, I mean, we can agree to disagree all we want. I'm just saying that if people are thinking that, oh, Roman looks weak coming out of this. I mean, yeah, you can have you can have that opinion, but in my opinion. 
Roman's just fine. Roman's just fine. I mean, yeah, he'll lose to he'll either lose to Cody or beat Cody at WrestleMania, but he'll he'll regain he'll regain as much heat as he can prior to WrestleMania, and he made Sami Zayn look as strong as he did. Sami Zayn put on perhaps his best match, um, and from a in-ring perspective and a story perspective and a character perspective on all aspects, which is very important. Like, I don't know what else do you want? Like, I really don't know what else you want because this match had almost everything. Yeah. Aside from the shenanigans, some of the shenanigans, like it told a good, it told a really good story, had a climax and a saw in a, in a good, really good ending. And, Obviously, the biggest dynamic was going to be Jay Uso. A lot of people were thinking, like, is he going to turn on Sami Zayn? Um, is he going to betray him? But they they actually did a fine line between accident Sami Zayn accidentally hitting Jay Uso with the spear, but Jimmy Uso also still being conflicted, still also not being in agreement with Roman Reigns over this whole situation. So it actually leaves a lot of um, unanswered questions going into WrestleMania. Like what, what this story is going to lead to. Sure. It's still like, it can be a little convoluted um, at times, but when you look at it, um, like it for Sami Zayn, it looks like they're going to go the tag team title route um, with Kevin Owens and the Usos, but for all four te- for all four participants, it seems like there's going to be a lot of reluctance. It seems like either there's going to be a lot of reluctance for all four for all four participants to compete in that match, um, at least in terms of story, or Jay Uso is going to turn on Sami Zayn at some point. Before WrestleMania, so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. They're gonna get that they're gonna get that tag team title match at Mania, and then Roman Reigns is gonna fight Cody Rhodes in the main event of WrestleMania overall. And I will say though that WWE is gonna have to do a really good job of selling um, that match, which is six weeks out, because yeah, it just feels like a 2015 situation with Cody Rhodes. With, you know, with Roman Reigns returning from injury um, and then winning the Royal Rumble. And then now you have Cody returning from injury, winning the Royal Rumble. Um, so now they have six weeks. They have to figure out what's the best possible story to tell um, between Roman and Cody. Sami Zayn's story, at least half of it, is done with the bloodline. Now you got to tell this story, which I think... Should main event night one of WrestleMania, the tag team title match between Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos. Because there could be a lot of reluctancy or her hatred in this matchup. Like not the women's not the women's title match between not not either women's title match, not to be sexist or anything, because this bloodline overall story is the best route to go to for both nights. This is WrestleMania is the ultimate climax for the, the bloodline to to really crack, to really fall. 
WWE has to capitalize on it in Los Angeles. So overall, you know, the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, I gotta say, it was pretty pretty good. Um, it was it was pretty good. It real really can rekindled my interest a little in some going into WrestleMania. Um and I, I didn't feel that way last year. Like, you know, I was just be like, okay. <laughs> that happened on that happened on Raw um when I'm checking my phone on Twitter. But this time around, you know, I act, you know, I be checking uh every so often, see what happens with not just the bloodline storyline, but some other things that are happening. And you know, I gotta say, Dirty did a good job um with this pay-per-view. Um every match felt important. I mean, yeah, the elimination chamber matches were eh. But at least, you know, there were some there were some things that came out of it with uh, setting up two matches for WrestleMania that kind of has a purpose in it. But the only downer was, yeah, Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley, unfortunately. Um, that was that was pretty crappy. And then you got a good mixed tag team match with um, Edge and Beth Phoenix against the Judgment Day is Rhea Ripley and Finn Balor. Um, not necessarily the biggest fan of Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley, but you know they did pretty good for what they had. Um, and obviously the main event was that damn good. Um from an in-ring perspective, from a storyline perspective, all around. And I know a lot of people have different opinions about it, but hey, all I can say is we can agree to disagree on whatever you want to say about the match, okay? So, overall, this this pay-per-view was, was pretty good. It was pretty good. Hopefully, uh, Triple H and Creative keep it up. Six weeks to WrestleMania. Um, hopefully WrestleMania will be the ultimate climax, um, uh, for a lot of feuds. They, they stack up the card with quality matches on both nights. As much as I'm not a fan of two night WrestleManias, they stack the card with the best matches possible and they make this perhaps a really good WrestleMania. I don't want to say one of the best, but a really good WrestleMania to follow up to good pay-per-views. I gotta admit it, W's been on a like on a pretty solid roll lately. I gotta admit that. But I would like to know your thoughts on the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, whether it's in the comments on YouTube or on Twitter or on Instagram at Lasagna. Send me a message. Um, shoot shoot me a comment on YouTube, however you want to do it. So I'd like to know your thoughts on this pay-per-view. So anyway. This is Dylan Lasagna of Very Cold Lasagna. Thank you for tuning in to episode number 131 of this icy yet spicy podcast. And remember, follow the show on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, at Very Cold Lasagna. Tune in on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, and Google Podcasts. And keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge with your takes on the world of sports. And until next time, peace out.